0: Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturzitz.
1: I got to saddle this horse and ride it pretty quickly. Or we'll be here for a long time. So I'm going to do good. Now let me tell you what's happening. But this Sunday and next Sunday, I am going to more concertedly than ever attempt to build a bridge between the platform and the seats. And what I mean is, Next Sunday, we are going to pray for the cast and crew of this Easter outreach pr- presentation. It's not, it's not just a musical production. We are believing it to be four days, five opportunities, Sunday morning being Easter, of course. We won't do the presentation on, sun, on Easter Sunday morning, but five opportunities to present a very forceful gospel presentation to people. I'm believing that during the week of Easter 2019 that New Hope Church will see more people come to faith in Jesus Christ than in any single four- or five-day window in the history of our church. Can you just say amen to that right there? Okay, we can believe for that. I further believe, had an elder call me this week and said that uh, he had a sense that God is turning our church more than ever to embrace and understand an outreach beyond the walls focused than ever before. I witness that and say amen. I see that moving and happening right now. Um that's it just in saying it it becomes sort of this very emotive thing for me. What I'm seeking to do is is to convince you that we are the cast all of us. I'm trying to convince you to use this year more than ever to not invite one person, to invite ten. Today and next Sunday, we're going to present two songs and two door moments. I'll explain door moments in a moment. The door moments, because no one here has, has seen or heard or familiar with this, trying to present those opportunities, and again, this week too and next week too, so that you can see, we can see, Number one, I believe it ministers to us who are here in the room today. But number two, I'm believing that it will reach and touch people who find themselves in those unique moments. I'll explain. Now let me tell you the backstory on this. I have had a love affair with the book of Revelation for, I don't know, pointedly and passionately, probably 30 of the 35 years, or nearly 40 years of of ministry. And it was where in a moment i was turned from viewing the book of revelation as primarily this prophetic sort of apocalyptic futuristic book of what might be and that's fine if that's the way that you may choose to view it in a limited fashion but at a moment when i saw it as a handbook of worship and spiritual warfare for what is has uh, and, and excuse me what has and is going on even now on the planet does it contain futuristic things? No doubt. But I think one of the greatest deceptions the adversary has pulled off is convincing us that it only has to do with future things, and so we read it and study it to get timelines and prophetic assertions and projections, and then we largely put it on the shelf. Beloved, it is a handbook to a worship meant for us right now. And if nothing else, live in and pour over those first five chapters. Chapters four and five, it opens us to a heavenly scene in worship. Now, I'm going to try to be careful. This music originates, this musical originates in in, uh, something that was birthed in in my heart. And as I, I wrote a song probably over 30 years, 30 years ago, I guess, this was entitled Behind the Door. It said, an open door from which a voice was calling, come up, come here behind the door, I was transported in an instant by the Spirit. It speaks of Revelation chapter 4. Matter of fact, let me go ahead and, and share that verse with you. It's John the revelator, John the gospel writer, John the disciple, John the beloved, who is writing the book of Revelation, and he's writing what he is seeing, okay? He said, after these things... Remember, he's on an island. He's been put there under penalty. It's an imprisonment island called Patmos. He's there, arguably, who knows what's going on. But you're about to hear a phrase, and listen to me. He says, I was in the Spirit. He says that phrase twice. He says it in chapter 1, and he says it in chapter 4. In the Spirit becomes sort of, I believe, code language for John. Do you recall in John chapter 3 4 when he meets the woman at the well the word worship is used in that chapter 10 times and we here at new hope hold that to believe the most penetrating handbook if you will on worship because it's the only time in scripture where god in the flesh tells us what worship is he meets this na- jesus meets this nameless woman at the well and he makes the statement he says here's what worship is it's not going to that mountain or going to that mountain God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship in spirit and in truth. I believe, beloved, when we fast forward between these events some, I I don't know, 60 years later between the timeline of John 4 and Revelation 4... I believe when John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, I have chosen to believe that he says, I was worshiping on the Lord's day. I was praising my God on the Lord's day. And it said, after these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I had heard like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit. That's the second time he says that. And behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. He begins to describe, going on through the remaining of the 11th verse of that chapter, and entering into chapter 5, he describes the most penetrating worship scenario that I believe is disclosed in Scripture. He says, not only is there one throne, listen to me, I'm now going places that are not. out of my notes, forgive me. He said, not only did I see the throne and the one was on the throne, how many know that throne was the throne of God? And how many know the one on the throne was God, the father, God almighty, Adonai, the one who spoke. And there was the one who created the one who made everything from nothing. He was on the throne He said, I saw flashes of lightning. There were peals of thunder. I saw this amazing scenario. And he goes on to describe soon after that I saw 24 thrones, those were the elders. Whatever theologians argue about over who they may or may not be, they believe those elders to be whether they're the 12 tribes of the Old Testament and 12 apostles of the New Testament. Here's what they are. Those little thrones, if you will, are miniature representations of the authority of that big throne on this planet. Do you get it? That the 12 tribes of the Old Covenant were the first expression of God's authority reaching out in an Old Covenant and those 12 disciples and apostles would become the second expression of God's authority into the world under the new covenant. He said, I saw 24 thrones. I've spent weeks and months teaching this before, and forgive me, but can I just simply say this? I pray every week that in moments of worship, God opens a door between two worlds, and what we see is not just the absolute authority and ruling omniscience of an omnipresence and omnipotence of a God on a throne, but that somehow we capture that it's not just limited to that throne, but still in our day. God says, I'm not just keeping all of my power in heaven, but I have unleashed it through little thrones into the earth, into your life. My authority is not just limited there, but it has expression there. I pray that people leave and say, there is not just a God who is far away behind the door. But there is a God who unleashes the small expressions of that authority into my life right here on this planet, right here into my situations. And I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and a door opened. I was worshiping. I don't know if he was singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Yes, I know that song wasn't written. This is where I live. You hear it every week. It's what I write songs from. It's what I sing privately to God about. Because I believe every time our lips part praise that the same thing we read here happens in your life. I sing here. I sing in my home. Two weeks ago this past Tuesday, I had one of the most amazing three-hour private, penetrating, heart-melting times with God in worship and prayer that I've had in years. Oh, my goodness. Okay, enough said. I'm not even past the first paragraph of four pages. John is not only invited behind the door of a heavenly worship scenario, but I want you to notice just a few verses before. In all of my teaching on this, what I'm about to share with you, I've never seen in Scripture until this morning. Tears filled my eyes, and I've got to tell you, it was a cold, chill moment. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Principle number one. Principle number one is this. Jesus not only opens the door to his world, he is always knocking on the door to ours. Jesus not only opens the door to his world, he is always knocking on the door to ours. Jesus not only opens the door to his world, he is always knocking on the door to ours. I have never thought of the fact that only two verses before Revelation 4-1 that door was mentioned. We're going to come back to that. In Matthew twenty-three, thirteen, Jesus says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut. Everyone say shut, please. You shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, and you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. He came to those purveyors of the law and said, You've closed the door. You've had the keys. I've come to open the door. The Sermon on the Mount is one of the most penetrating messages. Those three chapters, Matthew 5 through 7, is where he corrects uh, all of the teaching of the Pharisees and he opens shut doors. But I want us to go backward to a passage of Scripture through the years we've studied here frequently. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. It says, to the angel of the church of Philadelphia. Now remember, this is just before chapter 4, verse 1. He, uh, Philadelphia, right, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and shuts and no one will opens, says this, I know your deeds, behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. Skipping ahead to verse 12, watch where he lands. I will make him, he who overcomes, I will make him a temple, a pillar, excuse me, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Watch these words. And he will not go out from it. Please listen to this. Those precious, in the church of Philadelphia, those precious new covenant followers of Jesus Christ. If you read the verses between 8 and 12, you'll see this. We're being dissuaded or attempted to be persuaded by Judaizers and saying, you can't know this Jesus of this new covenant son of God. You have to know him through the Old Testament ritual and this and that. And he goes on to indict them. Listen, he essentially says, they're trying to keep you from the open door which I've opened before you. But when he uses conspicuous language, he says, you will not, you will come in and not, excuse me, you will not go out. Coming in is implied. Coming in where? Coming into the open door that he talked about in verse 7. An open door of a new sense of his presence. But he uses a sort of, I don't know. I was going to say, flick them in the nose statement to the Judaizers. Watch what he says. He says, you will be a pillar in my temple. That was coded language, if you will. He uses the Jewish concept. the the temple see the temple was it the temple that god was talking about was not one made by hands but in the heavenlies and if you go on to read it you'll find that to be true but he says you guys who think you have access to the temple what i want to tell you and you say they can't come in the real temple the real in the heavens the city of god if you will he says i'm inviting them in and they will not go out Second principle, Jesus has not only opened the door, he wants you inside. I'm going to go back and tell you the first one. Jesus not, excuse me, uh, principle uh, number one, Jesus not only opens the door to his world, he is always knocking on the door to ours. You need to take that home with you. Number two, Jesus not only opened the door, he wants you and me inside that door. What is that door? That next place in God. That next place in God. The never-ending possibilities of the open door. Now hear me. This is a two-sided door. I had never before this morning noticed two verses apart from Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Let me go back. After these things, I looked, and behold, the door standing open in heaven. Chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door knock and knock. Everyone look this way, especially for you guys who I study the word with somewhat in greater depth. I'm aware there are two different door analogs or metaphors being used here. But, beloved, here's what the rush came to my heart this morning. That the door God is talking about is a two-sided door. Number one, the door that is open where I asked Jose to put that door up this morning. This doesn't go with the set. I called our precious brother, Jose, and said, I need a door. He said, okay. He went and found one and stuck it up, stuck it on, okay? There is a God who stands, and he knocks on the door to my heart. I'm on my side of my door. Behold, he stands at that door and knocks. All I know is my side of the door. All I know is my door, my life. And he says, if you will open it, I will come in to you. When I open that door, it says he will come in. But two verses later, it is more than ironic that John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And suddenly a trumpet sounded and a door opened. Beloved, what I want to tell you is the knock on the door to your heart It is attenuated and controlled by your side, and you get to open it. But I want you to picture something like a door on Harry Potter or Jumanji or some other little sci-fi flick or whatever that where they come to the end of a hallway in a house and suddenly they open it and the door opens up into some pasture or mountain set you know it just doesn't fit the scenario people are unaware that the knock on the door to their heart because all they can see is the inside of their world and the inside of their life all they can see that while that knocks going on but the minute they open it we move right to john revelation chapter 4 and the door we open is not just more of our life the door when we open the door To our heart. It's a two sided door between two worlds. On this side is my life and my world, but on this side of that door is exposure and opportunity to encounter a heavenly dimension of life and worship and power and spirit that people don't know. Hear me. The door that is open from my side is in in my heart. The same door that opens from his side opens into a world of worship. We got to get this we got to get this. Is everybody getting what I'm talking about? The door in 320 is the door to my heart. Leave that on the screen. Take pictures of it. Go home and pray it and pray it and pray it. Okay? Get that right now. The door to my heart is my world. That's all we can see. But the moment we open that door, there's another world right on the other side. It's not just more of my stuff. When John stepped through that door, he was not on Patmos. When John stepped through that door, he was not a prisoner limited to chains. Suddenly he was transported beyond any limitations of time and space. Suddenly he saw dimensions of possibilities. Grace, life, power, praise, and worship that could be his that the world hasn't known. Why is that important? Prayer number one today. I'm not doing well. I should have been done with this ten minutes ago. Here's prayer number one. You're going to join me in prayer right now. Get your hands empty. Heavenly Father, we pray that during this presentation of the gospel. Oh, forget that for a minute. Lord, I'll be right back. I pray for anyone sitting in this room. That today, the knock on the heart, the door to their heart. That they would throw that door open and see that when they open, it's not just more of their world. It's a threshold to yours. The door they're knocking that you're knocking on is the door to their heart and to their world. But when you open that door and come in, you take us by the hand and usher us across, not just to more of our world, but the beginning of yours. Oh, my goodness. I pray, Father, for people who will sit in this building for those four nights. I pray that from the time, I pray from the moment they come in, I pray that they hear the knock, but not only that they hear the knock, that they respond to the knock. I pray before the night is over that they swing open the door to their heart and find a Savior waiting immediately on the other side. Not just waiting to disclose more of their world, but invite them into his. That it would be life-changing, eternity-changing, once and for all and forever. We ask that, so be it, in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm going to ask you in sealing this to clap your hands and shout unto God with a voice of triumph right now. Come on, let's do that. Hallelujah. You. that right there is good and there's two other songs I want to sing to you right now but I'm not may they hear you knock and open the door door moment number one I'm going to speed up right here Sarah Vega is going to come share a song with you right now come on out sweetheart and just be ready wherever you are Sarah would play in the part of Mary Magdalene in the production. This song will be sung the night after Jesus' crucifixion. When the disciples will be gathered and very much in the spirit of Luke 24, not the same place. In Luke 24, Jesus would be found walking on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection. And he would meet with two of his disciples. Or two disciples that were followers of him. Perhaps not the twelve. But they didn't know who he was. And he walked with them and talked with them. And he said, what's going on? And he says... Our hope had been placed that Jesus would be, this Jesus would be our Messiah, but now he's dead. They've buried him. That is the spirit and environment of the atmosphere in the night after Jesus was crucified. And the scene will portray the disciples and the women mentioned in scripture. Joanna, Salome, Mary Magdalene, Peter, John, different ones, who will be gathered. And they'll be reflecting on their own disillusionment. And it's into that moment that we're going to pray that one of the first door moments will come. (laughs) Because I believe people who are going to come in here are going to feel like they're stuck hopelessly in life. And I just need to say this to you because I haven't said it in the previous week. There are three times, two times in Scripture that God's Word says stand still and wait. Once is Exodus 14 and one is 2 Chronicles 20. Pastor Steve preached on it a couple weeks ago. It was the Red Sea. They couldn't get across second chronicles was a battle that could only be lost and he said stand still and see the glory of the lord wait on the lord mary magdalene becomes as you read john chapter 20 she becomes the one that waits everybody else comes sees they look in an empty tomb and run away she waits and here's the anointing i'm praying for for people who will walk in here and they're feeling like They're standing in front of barriers that can't be crossed, facing battles that can only be lost, and like Mary Magdalene, looking at hopeless tombs on the other side of a cross. I am praying for a visitation of the Spirit of God. The closing five songs of 13, I am praying that it will be an aggregation of just the sense of the Spirit of God, the anointing of God. Yeah, guys, I'm all in on this. I want to see people born again. And I'm praying that this song will reflect the heart of that and meet people right where they are in that moment wait on the lord and stand still perhaps you are here perhaps you are here this morning and it will speak to you as well in the name of jesus roll that, please chris Get the chart,
2: Chris.
1: About. Sorry. The wait on the. Thank you.
0: I'll run Hope. I can't see tomorrow. The sun's coming up. Holy promises, sorrow. So I will wait on you, Lord. Instead, A chance I've accepted. Never, I must wait on You, Lord, and stand still. Not where I thought I'd be But here I am standing I must wait on you, Lord and stand still The words that you said Now I have to believe them My next step must be faith. But it's not what I'm seeing, so I will wait on you, Lord, and stand still. I will say to my soul, to not be shaken. Is it really all over, people think that I'm strong, but I can't help but wonder if I can wait on you, Lord.
1: praying that at that moment, you see, that's not the end. That leaves you hanging. Um, You started the, uh, 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 we started the wrong track a moment ago, but I don't think it is. What happens in the situation, the setting that follows immediately that scene, Mary is in John 20 in the garden. Peter and John come, they've left the tomb, and she meets the gardener monologue offered by John will be telling the story he says Peter and I ran to the tomb I got there a little bit ahead of him we looked in we were both angry and frustrated we didn't know where his body had gone and what they had done with him and so we looked in and raced away we ran out of the garden we ran right by the gardener but Mary didn't Mary waited and this is the other half of the story and what I'm praying for people who will come in here. Roll that right now. She wasn't going to sing this, but I'm putting her on the spot to sing it. Go ahead and roll this. We're believing for the presence of God to be in this place and touch the hearts of people like he is here today. Worship this morning. Listen to these words. She's just seen the Savior. The Savior says, go, leave, let go of me. Go tell my brothers I'm going to my father. And my father are they their father? I'll be back.
0: What if the Lord is really in this place? What if it's true that he's not dead?
1: He's been around. if that is
0: would But I just watched him die And thought my heart could not survive Come on. He's alive And some right here He's stood right here today What if it's true He just called my name. Father, we pray that you will call
2: names.
0: If he is risen, nothing stays the same.
1: This Just stay standing. Father, I pray for every person here today that is in one of those waiting moments. Wondering if it's real and if it works. That they would hear as Mary did. You called her name. Speak to them now. Speak to them now. But Father, we sow the seeds in prayer in this room today. And the end for those four nights. That there are going to be moments when that chair. And that chair. And that chair. And that chair. And, that chair and those chairs. We'll have people sitting there that don't get it. They may not even understand it. They've never studied it or examined your word, but they're going to hear something calling their name and know there's something in this place and that it is the Spirit of God, a risen Savior. Make it so in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Have a seat. We're not done. I need five more minutes. I, I've prayed all week, Father, bring us into the understanding of the spirit of this moment. <clears throat> the song that is going to be shared by Dan and Tana in just a moment is the song entitled Jubilee. It will be three songs, two songs after these two songs here. The concept of jubilee through the years of being here, there's only a couple of times I've taught on it. Let me see how quick I, I can do this. It's an Old Testament concept. It's an economic concept. It was a festival concept. Jubilee came once every 50 years. There were sabbatical years that were once every seven years. And God told his people in the seventh year, stop, cease, return this stuff. Don't plow, don't do that. But in the jubilee year... There's one more on top if you're 49. Seven times seven came to 50th year. Two years in a row, they wouldn't plow, plant, or water. And God said, but I will cause the produce to come. Now, there are three or four concepts that I hope I can remember the four of them. That, see, once in a generation, if you lost the property you owned due to a debt, bad debt, or mistake, or, or some sort of transgression, once every 50 years, that inherited property had to come back. How many are glad for a return? Once in a generation, once in every generation, if you became an indentured service, you were released. Once in every generation, what was promised yours in the book of Joshua, there was this land given to each of the families and tribes. It was their inheritance, but they could lose it over the course of their life. And and I spent weeks and even months teaching on this back in right at the 1998 to 2000, even prior to coming here. And the way that that applies, listen to me. How many of things happened in your life a decade ago, a month ago, or a lifetime ago, a parent ago, or a grandparent ago? And the legacy of that seems to fall forward. God said once in every generation, that would all be neutralized. It would be returned. People would be released. There would be redemption. And then the final one was restoration. But hear me. In the 1,400 years of the existence of the nation from its inception of coming into the promised land until the time of Jesus Christ, they never celebrated one jubilee year. They never, ever. There's no biblical reference. And if you read the final deportation issue, the final reason they were carried away is because they refused to celebrate a jubilee year. Show you that in Scripture, seven times in Scripture a word is used for Jubilee release. Isaiah sixty-one, the prophet declares, "The spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, in the favorable year of our the, and, uh, the favorable year of our Lord." The word liberty there is the word deror. It is the word transliterated as d-e-r-o-r. Only use seven times and the word means jubilee release. Why is that important? because when Jesus comes out of the wilderness out of 40 days of fasting and he walks into the synagogue and he opens the scroll he opens it to Isaiah 61 and he says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord God has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives freedom to prisoners to declare the favorable year of our Lord he goes on to finish that passage he sits down and he says and one more thing it started today right here with me The point is, beloved, the ultimate Jubilee, the ultimate release of the human soul, the redemption of the possibilities of life, the ultimate returning and restoration of all that can otherwise be was realized fully through Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, at the beginning of that Jubilee festival year and day, you see days begin at sunset. A shofar was to be blasted and it would begin to ring and echo across the land that jubilee starts now. It's all coming back. But what you'll hear in this song is the ultimate release and redemption that comes, came through Jesus Christ. A lamb would be slain. This lamb was slain. This song says that it contrasts the two. Here's what we're believing for on those four nights, that people are going to get it. There's a monologue and dialogue running up to it that communicates it to the people sitting here, and this will will happen. Chris, roll that, and let's sing this. Hallelujah. I pray to those of you that are sitting here today, roll it, those of you that are sitting here, that right now, today, you'll hear the trumpet blast of Calvary, of the cross of Christ, the possibilities of what might be in your life. Receive it. Receive it here today. In Jesus' name.
2: So if I am free here,
0: then there's nothing out there that can ever hold me captive again. The next time I hear this sound, I am going to shout Jubilee! Jubilee!
3: Once in every channel. Comes a day of salvation when all that is spent will be no more. All loss and sorrow make way for tomorrow. All that was lost soon restored. Somewhere a priest would rise Raise a trumpet to the sky Declaring an end to the past With the setting of the sun Redemption had begun It was jubilee It was true!
1: Hallelujah. would you join me in praying would you join me in believing would you take that invite card in your hand if you have if you've already put it in your Bible or purse or whatever the backpack I guess that's okay you received one we have more I pray you give away 20 Who in your life needs to hear that message? Come here, son. I need to pray for you. Come here. Hallelujah. This is John. We call him Johnny here, but it's John. This is going to be John in the production. I don't know another person who's probably memorized more scripture than him. He will be carrying the narration part across. He'll be carrying the part coming into and right up to Jubilee. He'll be telling the story and interacting with the characters on his play on this on, on this stage. And I just when I looked at you, so grabbed my heart. I don't know any person that is a more biblical evangelist than this John. I I just don't know one. I mean, he tells everybody about Jesus. He tells me about Jesus, and I don't need to hear about Jesus and acts like I've never heard about Jesus when he starts telling me about his latest experience with Jesus. Son, we're going to pray for you right now that when you speak those words, they won't be words off a page, but you're speaking scripture. I know you know the story. Next week, we're going to pray for the whole cast and crew, but he has pages and pages of stuff you'll see because he sort of carries it. Would you extend a hand of blessing this way? Father, I pray for your son. I pray for a brother, a son of faith here in our fellowship. I pray, Father, that you touch his lips and his mind. I pray for him to be able to memorize it, although it seems that you gave him a gift. and I don't need to even ask for that. It's amazing. I pray, Father, that as he speaks words, they would not be words off a page or words spoken from monologue or dialogue, but that they would be words that penetrate the hearts of people. And so I pray, Father, As he speaks of a Mary who did wait, and then she sings the song. Of a Mary who remained there. As he speaks leading into song after song and story after story. I pray now, Father, return to that prayer of jubilee for people who sit here in this room. Of the sense that somehow these Bible stories came to mean everything about them by a God who died for them, knows their name, and is calling their name. Father, may this grace rest on him that night and now may it leave this platform from others that are here and penetrate every seat and place in this room. Father, I pray that we would turn a corner at Easter 2019 and that New Hope Church more than ever, everyone open your eyes. You remember me telling you two weeks ago the Lord spoke to me about this and I don't do the Lord said things said, Tom, I've called you to be a conversation starter between two worlds, and I've called you to lead a group of people that starts conversations. That's why we worship here. It starts conversations between two worlds. Didn't come to entertain, didn't come to do tricky things, or that we came to start a conversation. And I'm praying over those four days and five services that we're going to start more conversations than we've ever seen happen in a four-day window in the life of New Hope Church. So be it unto us, amen and amen. Can we give thanks and declaration and see you now?
2: Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the
0: Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.